Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. With all the property on sale today, where does that put developers? Is there an opportunity to compete in the down market with new construction? That's what we're going to find out today, right here on the Real Estate Guys radio program. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash real estate guys. You already know that Dallas Fort Worth is one of the strongest real estate markets in the country. Now all you need is a great source for turnkey properties. Great news. Wilson Investment Properties has been providing fully renovated, rented, positive cash flow properties to real estate investors for over 10 years. Founder Tom Wilson is an avid investor himself. With over 200 units of his own, you know he understands what investors need. Contact Tom and his team at 888-510-6838, extension 123, or send an email to wilson at realestateguysradio.com. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show. I'm Robert Helms, your host, and today we're going to talk about the niche of real estate construction and development. Obviously, in the last few years, developer and builder confidence has been low, and with the wake of the housing crisis and all the distressed and foreclosed property that's left around, there's been great bargains to be snapped up by real estate investors, and yet we know if we study the numbers that eventually, and it's not that far down the road, there is an impending housing shortage in lots of parts of the world. Certainly, that's true in the U.S. as we head from 300 million to 400 million people. They all have to live and work and resort somewhere, and we've simply not been adding enough housing units. So how does a developer compete in a market where there is distress everywhere? I think the key to that is understanding all real estate is local. Today on the program, you're going to meet a developer who has found a couple of different niches, and we'll hear from her just exactly how she selected the market she's in and why there is a competitive edge for someone developing. Now, that's not true in every market. In a lot of markets, it is just no time to be building or developing, but we've got to have an eye towards the future as real estate developers and investors and people paying attention to the business, even practitioners in the business. We got to look to where the puck is going. What is happening next? Yeah, right now, there are still markets where you can by below replacement costs, a phenomenon, by the way, which doesn't happen very often in the grand scheme of things. So we try to take advantage of that where it makes sense. But to get to the next level, there's got to be new construction, new development, changes in real estate use, all kinds of things that are going to create new opportunity for us as investors. So today on the program, what we're going to focus on is what is the role for the developer today and how can a nimble developer take advantage of the market forces? We come back, you meet our guest, and we'll talk about new construction today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Live nationwide, you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. The Real Estate Guys podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of The Real Estate Guys, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. Here's one for real estate investors. Rich Dad's advisors, the ABCs of property management. What you need to know to maximize your money now by Ken McElroy. 
For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash real estate guys. That's audiblepodcast.com forward slash real estate guys. Why is it that in every horror movie, there's a pretty girl who goes into a creepy house and heads down into the scary basement? Nothing good ever happens in the basement. What is she thinking? I feel the same way when I continue to see Americans dump billions into 401ks, IRAs, and mutual funds, even self-directed IRAs. On top of that, they continue to perpetuate the massive U.S. banking system by keeping large deposits at banks and using credit cards and other loans for purchases. Don't they realize what's going to happen? More profit for them and less profit for you. Nothing good ever happens in the basement. Now there's another way. Visit our friends at Paradigm Life by going to www.beerbank.com and learn how to become your own banker today. Live where you want to live, but invest where the numbers make sense. Even better, invest where you have a solid team to support you. We've been hearing great things about Memphis, Tennessee, and Terry Kerr from Mid-South Homebuyers. Since 2002, Terry and his team have been delivering turnkey rental property solutions ideal for out-of-area real estate investors. So if you're looking for affordable, trouble-free, turnkey investment property, call Terry. Use our resource hotline at 888-510-6838, extension 118. That's 888-510-6838, extension 118. Or find them in the resources area of our website at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, this is Garrett Sutton, Rich Dad's advisor. Remember, equity happens, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. And welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program, heard every weekend on this fine radio station all the time at realestateguysradio.com. We're talking about where the opportunity might be for developers and builders when you can buy property below replacement costs. That's not true just in the U.S., but in lots of places. And uh, our guest today is a developer who's got a lot of construction background. She's the perfect person to answer these very questions. Please welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program, one of the great real estate gals, Beth Clifford. Hey, Robert. Nice to see you. How are you doing? Doing great. How about yourself? Very well. You know, we've been uh, looking at the landscape out there. And, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, America and other countries are starting to heal from the big ugliness, uh, but still, a lot of markets where you can buy property below replacement cost, and folks are doing that, big funds are doing that, and yet there's this thing happening that we, we talked before the break about there needing to be more inventory long-term. So where do you see there being an opportunity in today's interesting real estate market for a real estate developer? Well, you know, Robert, I look at it about where the jobs are going, and so I always go into markets and I look at the forecast about Who's moving there? Where the demographics are moving? And are there going to be jobs there? And so to me, that's number one priority that I go when I start combing through the entire landscape. Jobs, jobs, jobs is number one. Okay. Then I look at just kind of scarcity of supply. And, you know, is there a lot of foreclosures? Is there a lot of absorption? You know, how much inventory is there on the ground? And is there an opportunity for me to go and actually build new? You go into a market where, you know, there's... 40 months of inventory on the ground in resale, new construction is going to be very difficult, Robert, in order for you to justify. You're not going to be able to go do that. But if you go in where the new markets are being are evolving and where there's very little inventory that's available that has to be absorbed, then that's the niche where the new new developers, new markets are all going to be going into. You know, it's interesting as you look at what the big publicly traded companies are doing. They have to go in if they're doing residential and do 80 or 200 or 500 homes to have any economy of scale. But it seems that though that perhaps the nimble developer can come in and look for infill locations mm -hmm. and, and look for an opportunity that looks good. But And maybe a, a bigger developer would recognize it. But 
but it's just not worth their time and trouble. Correct. And so what's interesting, like I, I'm in one particular market where it's incredibly dense and there is no large parcels of land except about 20 miles outside of the MSA. Okay. So you cannot go and find... 30 acres of land and for poultry homes. You can't go do it. You've yeah. got to go 20 miles out to go get it. So they have been land banking and had been land banking. And what I see in those particular markets, they're starting to turn those over, developing their lots and starting to go vertical on some of that product. Okay. But what they would love to do, but they can't do is they can't go assemble 30 acres of land in the hot market. Yet nimble developers can go do that. You can go put together two, four acres of land, but a Pulte is not interested in four acres of land. They're not, that's like, that's so beyond what they can go do. Right. And so I think there's a real opportunity for the nimble developer to go find the infill locations, the one to four acres of land, do that development and build it. They can never compete with a Pulte. I mean, their buying power is is just unbelievable. Right. So you are never going to be able to, to compete with them on the price that they can go vertical on. Yet you can compete with them when you go into the infill because those costs, they're just not going to be there. So it's going to be the nimble, small boutique developers who are going to be working there. Well, and under the no investor left behind, when we talk infill, that's basically in an area where all that's left are small parcels. And so you've got to do these little one acre five-acre, 10-acre parcels. It's like you say, yeah, I'd love to do a, a brand new project in San Francisco. Um, if you could just get me 30 acres in downtown San Francisco, <laughs> I'd be happy to do something. Well, that just doesn't exist, exactly. right? Exactly. Cannot so, get it. Well, the other thing is you look at those production houses, the, right. the big markets, and there certainly is going to be a need for that, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to be shy millions of houses in the next 20 years. So at some point, they're going to have to, and already in some markets, we're seeing that. But that's not kind of where your niche is and what we're talking about it instead is you've got to di differentiate your product too you don't they're not really looking for production houses in the on these four acre infill areas no and what i saw just in one of the markets that i work in is in the washington dc msa and what's very interesting in that market is um there are zip codes that never went down through the entire crash none yeah. zero and so i can take you to about four different zip codes right outside of washington dc that during the downturn of 2008 and 2009 went down zero yeah. and are now up about 25% from where they originally were in 2007. But what's interesting on the larger markets, and when you're a larger developer, it is absolutely critical that you have staying power and patient money. Because if you, as you go out from the MSA and you get further out, the opportunity for profits are great if you hit the timing well. But I look at those MSAs that are 20 miles out, those went down 40% during the crash. Right. So here you are, 18 miles to the east product went down zero 18 miles to the west it went down 40 percent and so right now what you see is the bigger developers are going over there and starting to turn dirt around because those markets that went down 40 percent are almost back to neutral right now they're about either 15 to 10 percent below the original price but they're coming back up again okay. demand is coming back up again and so they can start turning it back around and they're coming back in as the market's coming back up and starting to approach the prices that were in 2007 yet a pulte can live through 10-year cycles right. small boutique developers cannot go do that yeah. they got wiped out through all of that so if you um my personal philosophy is keeping it very tight and keeping your projects within a two to three year time frame. Whereas the big commercial developers, production developers, they're on 10 to 15 year cycles with very patient money.
Well, let's look at that market. You're, I know you're in several markets, and we'll talk about some of the other ones before we're done. But but Washington is a Washington D.C. really interesting market because obviously, as you mentioned, jobs that primary industry is pretty stable. And so you have seen continued growth in jobs and in prices. And if you're in that market, talk about traffic and, and vibrancy. It doesn't feel like a recession there. Seven of the wealthiest counties in the United States are around Washington, D.C. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good, clue. That's a clue. And I mean, that's good news and that's bad news. I mean, I mean, the good news is, is that there's a lot of opportunity. The bad news is it's concentrated all in one particular area. I, sometimes I feel a bit jaded, but, you know, worker housing, which is, I mean, to me, which is the two-income professional market, somebody who's maybe one works in a government venue, another may work for a contractor or outside of that, you've got average incomes in the two hundred dollars to $400,000 range. Okay. And you've got, so that's your typical executive kind of housing. But you're looking at housing pricing is somewhere in the 600 is entry level, Robert, and it goes up to about 1.8. Okay. And so that's kind of, that's worker housing in D.C. Wow. So it's a lot of money. But, you know, the good news is, is that when you've got six this year, um, the Fairfax County area appreciated 6.9% this year. Okay. And so if you've got 6.9% appreciation on $700,000 product, you're doing very well. Yeah. And you can still today build about a seven cap. You can still do if you're very careful in the market. So you okay. can still build residential product that can still cash flow, but you have to be very careful about the markets that you go into. Days on market in the D.C. area are under 30 days right now. Well, let's talk about the fact that it's a high-end market because one of the nuances there is that a builder has a particular profit they aim at. That doesn't mean that it's the developer's profit, but in the business of providing a real, a brand new real estate construction project, whether it's commercial or, or residential or, or whatever, there is some profit margin. Imagine that number was 15%. doesn't mean you're always going to hit that, but if that was the number, well, 15% of 700000 looks a lot better than 15% of 140,000. It does. So being in a high-end market, even though it's tight to get property and there's other boutique developers that recognize this, there's incentive there because of the absolute dollars. It does. And when you think about it, I look at it as how much brain damage do I need to do? To build a house, whether it's 150000 or if it's 700000 it's almost the exact same amount of brain damage. Yeah. I've got to architect it. I've got to permit it. I've got to buy it out. I've got to sell it. I've got to warranty it. I've got to finance it. Yeah. And that is not six times the amount of effort because the price is more. It's no it's so to me, buying and participating in high end markets actually has a higher rate of return on the amount of brain damage that I'm gonna go do. Because if I wanted to go move seven hundred thousand dollars worth of inventory in a hundred thousand dollar market, I've got to build seven of those. Right. Correct? Yeah. I've got to sell seven of them, I've got to finance seven of them, I've got seven roofs to put on, I've got to stage all of it. I, it's going to take me longer to go put seven pieces into the ground than it is for me to go do one. So I actually look at high-end real estate as actually being a more effective and a higher return on the amount of my capital and my most precious commodity, which is my personal equity and my time. Yep, that's huge. Now, make sure you're hearing the message for what it is here because that's not to say you would go into a market like Omaha and build multi-million dollar houses. 
because the high end of a lot of markets is difficult. You may be listening to this, depending on where you live, and going, wow, 700 to a million eight, that's a lot of price. But I hope you also heard that's workforce housing. In those markets, that isn't some giant mansion on the hill. That's just kind of the average two-income property. Exactly right. And so, for instance, I don't go into the high-end markets. And so I'm in this, there is, there's niches. So, so high price, high but price, not high end. That's correct. And okay. so I'm actually in the mid-market, and I actually like to be in the market where you can afford my product on just one income. And so it's very easy for me to move it for people. And so I love to be sort of the low mid-price provider, and I have an enormous amount of people who come into it. All right, so here's something I've got to ask you. You know, we don't get too political on the show, but we've just gone through an election. You're in that market providing housing to the people in Washington, D.C., in the area. What differences would you have expected to see had the other presidential candidate won? Any differences? Yeah, well, we, so here's what I, myself and other developers were there, I kind of had been working for, on t for two years looking at scenarios. And I think this is, for a lot of businesses, for the last two years, they've been looking at, you know, what happens if the Republicans win, what happens as the Democrats, and they've sort of laid out two potential scenarios. And what happened with the election is that then people chose and said, I'm going to go do that scenario because Obama is going to be continuing to be president. It would seem like anywhere in Washington, D.C., no matter who was going to move into the White House, there would still be need for this housing. Absolutely. And I, so I think there is two things. One is if, if the Republicans had, then we were all forecasting, then there's turnover. Right. Because what you end up doing is that you the Democrats are moving out and the Republicans are moving in. And so there's an enormous turnover that happens every four years inside of Washington, D.C. Yep. So that, that would be part of it. But turnover doesn't necessarily turn into greater demand. Right. It's just some people are exiting and some are moving Different in. And so demand. The, exactly. Where we see it is most of us are all there that we forecast that there's going to be a much higher demand. Is that you see that Obamacare is going to be the rule of the law law in, in health care. That's 6,000 IRS people, 6,000 IRS people coming in. IRS people are making one hundred and twenty to $180,000 a year. When you start looking at some of the programs that are going to start coming online, it means more and more infrastructure is going to get built into D.C. And I think all of us, I mean, as much as we, we know the fiscal cliff is coming, we know that they're going to be cutting back on budgets, but the reality is, is the federal spending has gone up by almost a trillion dollars in the last four years. And none of us can sit here, I believe, and think that it's going to go down by a trillion dollars. All we can see is there's going to be more revenue coming in, the government's going to continue to grow, and that's good for D.C. real estate. You know, on the last Investor Summit, which you were on, and of course you'll be a faculty member on our upcoming Investor mm -hmm. Summit, very excited about that, uh, we talked about resource-based jobs, jobs that are very difficult to move outside of whatever country they're in. And you think of the jobs in Texas and in the Bakken and the places where there's, you know, oil and gas, and those are hard to, to move. You think about resort areas where the reason people come there is for the beauty around it. Really, Washington, D.C., and probably any state capital is also a kind of a resource-based job economy. It absolutely is. And it is really, between Wall Street and D.C., it is the power hub of of the United States. And what we're seeing is far more corporations are coming in. You saw them in New York. They're starting to move headquarters down into the D.C. area because regardless if you're financial or not, most of the legislation and most of what's going to impact your business over the long term is happening inside of D.C. And they need to be close to where the decisions are being made. 
We're talking with Beth Clifford about uh, real estate development. Is there an opportunity and where is that today in this strange economy we find ourselves in? More when we come back to the Real Estate Guys. Also a chance to play Real Estate Trivia coming up next. We're the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. Is investors survey the country for markets and properties that will perform well for them over the next five to 10 years. One market in particular stands out. That's Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta was the second fastest growing MSA throughout the last decade. It's home to the world's busiest airport and has one of the highest concentrations of Fortune 500 companies in the country. Atlanta is expected to add 100,000 new people every year for the next 10 years. And just next year alone, Atlanta is predicted to add over 50,000 new jobs. Now, what if I told you you could buy fully renovated, leased, and cash-flowing investment properties in this market for half of replacement cost? That's right, three- and four-bedroom homes in good suburban neighborhoods that can be purchased completely renovated for seventy dollars to $90,000. At Georgia Residential Partners, this is exactly what we do. We've been helping investors all over the country make solid real estate purchases in Atlanta for almost seven years. Call us today at 770-924-5450 or check us out online at gainvesting.com. Are you achieving everything you want in life? What if there was a time-tested way to ensure that 2013 is your best year yet? The most successful people in life set goals and keep themselves accountable. But how? The good news is that it's not rocket science. You, too, can learn the skills and unleash the motivation that will create success in your life. And now is the time. Hi, this is Robert Helms, and I'd like to personally invite you to attend Creating Your Future, the 2013 Goals Retreat, January 11th to 13th in beautiful San Diego, California. This unique weekend event has been called phenomenal, inspirational, and life-changing by the hundreds of people that have attended. Read what they've said and find out more at realestateguysradio.com and click Events, or call 888-489-7723, extension 18. Get your life back on track physically, spiritually, and financially. Attend the 2013 Goals Retreat on the second weekend of the new year. Click events at realestateguysradio.com. This is no dress rehearsal. Live the life you were meant to. Visit realestateguysradio.com or call 888-489-7723, extension 18, today. Hi, this is Darren Hardy, publisher of Success Magazine, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guy. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guy's radio program, heard every weekend on this great radio station, all the time at realestateguysradio.com. We're talking about the role new construction has to play today when we have decimated housing markets across the globe, but it does seem like there is opportunity. Before we get back to our interview with Beth Clifford, let's play Real Estate Trivia. That's your chance to win a prize by knowing today's Real Estate Trivia question. In a few minutes, I'll ask you the question when you hear it and think you know the answer. Send it to us along with your name and mailing address to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. The first person with the right answer will win a prize. Then we'll take all the correct guesses for the week, have a drawing for a second prize, and the prize is a copy of our book, Equity Happens, Building Lifelong Wealth with Real Estate, autographed by the authors even. Now, the first one usually goes to a radio listener since they do have the advantage time-wise, but if you are listening on the podcast, you still have a chance to win as long as you get your answer in before next week's program. Last week on The Real Estate Guys, we asked this, which U.S. state has more mountain ranges than any other state? Well, the answer, surprisingly to some, is Nevada. 
Nevada has the most mountain ranges of any state in the U.S. Here's our real estate trivia question for this week. The National Association of Home Builders puts out its Housing Confidence Index every month, and it's a number between 0 and 100. 100 is very, very strong builder confidence. 0 is very, very low. I don't think we've ever had a 0, but here's my trivia question. In what month did the Home Builder Confidence Index sink to its lowest? What month was it the lowest? Now, recently, in November, the last month that we have data for, it's up to almost 50 again. It's not been near 50 in years. It's up to the highest point in six years, builder confidence at 46. But when was it at its lowest? And I'll give you a hint. The number was eight. When was builder confidence eight? What month and year? If you know or want to take a guess, send your answer to us at trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Be sure to include your name and mailing address so that if you're the winner, we can send you the book. That is today's real estate trivia question. Our guest today is Beth Clifford. She's a real estate developer and looking at uh, the landscape out there, like many developers, trying to find out where there's opportunities. So we've identified one of the markets. Um, let's talk a little more global for the minute. We'll talk about your other market because it's fascinating uh, in a minute. You're the primary market. But we're looking at, at places where it may make sense for developers to come in. And I think we've established that if you look for the right market, you can find that. But certainly, costs have changed. You probably have to be uh, more careful. You mentioned the word being tight. Can you tell us how does a developer sharpen their pencil without cutting too many corners? Well, I mean, part of it is, number one, is it, I love to find equity. <laughs> and so I think if um, I do a lot of work, I go into markets, I let people know that I'm there, I'm very active with the real estate brokers in there to go find distressed property. I do a lot of assemblage. Um, I'm a very quiet developer. I do not advertise. I don't put anything up on buildings. I kind of like to come in and be kind of the person who's underneath it all. So stealth, stealth, stealth developer. And I like to go in and particularly if you're doing assemblage, which is where most of where I have to go get my product is, this is not, you don't drive down the street and see, you know, five acres of land with a, with a for sale sign on it. It's you knowing kind of where product and properties are available and putting them together. And so the best way to go do that is through kind of a stealth way of doing it, putting it together and find, putting together the assemblage. Well, and let's stop there for a minute because that's a great point. When you're thinking about trying to sharpen your pencil, people automatically think, well, that's value engineering. We're going to use less expensive lumber or fewer nails or cheaper labor. But it doesn't have to be that. If you buy right, just like a real estate investor, and you can quietly buy, there's the wonderful story about Walt Disney World when they went out to acquire all that land and assemble all the land to put Walt Disney World on and the related parks. And they didn't come out and say, hi, we're Walt Disney, we'd like to buy your land, right? They came up with these little shell companies and more than just one, and they went out and quietly assembled land as, as long as they could until the cat was out of the bag exactly. or the mouse was out of the bag maybe. <laughs> uh, so so that's a great one. So, okay, what are some other ways that you look today when you're looking at the bottom line is what matters for sure, but you got to have a great product. What are the things that you're doing that are maybe innovative or I know at least in one of your uh, projects, you've come up with um, uh, kind of a different construction methodology. I did. And so I think a part of it is also knowing your market. For instance, I'll go back to as just one in D.C. is to know who your end buyer is going to be. And I have found that I get a higher margin on my product because I pay attention to the finishes that go into the product. And because it's very specific to what the new buyer wants, and it's kind of this retro market, what's going 
gone inside of, I've seen something change radically in what the new market is for worker housing. Worker housing before the downturn in the markets that I was in was 7,000 square foot McMansions. Yeah. That's what everybody wanted to have. They wanted to have their boss drive up and see that they've got this big McMansion and that that would all be great and yeah. that that was going to be it. The markets that I'm in right now, if that's what you have, you are considered to be so yesterday. That's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> okay. And so today, the market, what you, if you've got a cool house and you're, you're that person who's making $300,000 a year if you have a McMansion that's not cool what is cool is to be living in an urban environment that you can walk to downtown and have a 2800 to 3400 square foot kind of I call them faux craftsmen okay. you know what I'm saying yep. you, know, uh -huh. you know what I'm talking about yep. for the product with a very different fit and finish on the interior of it and for me I believe that design rarely costs you more. Good design does not cost you more. What costs you a lot is building a lot of air, which has no value to people. And so when I look at a 7,000 square foot house, that value per square foot, at, when it retails, is almost $100 a square foot lower than what I will build at for a product that is half the price. And so so if I'm I can be selling at $350 a square foot a very dense product, but it doesn't cost me that much more to go build that product, but the value can be perceived when people walk into the product. Turns out that my margin is is about 50% higher when I go into and build the more compact product over the big product. Now, I had a chance the other night to meet uh, some of your architects, mm -hmm. right? three of your architects, and it was a, a fascinating meeting. And, and one of the interesting things about the way they work and, and their specialty uh, is that it's really the, the smaller is bigger. How to get the most utility and use out of a small space rather than just the, the easiest thing to do is then add, add a room or add a 1,000 square feet. But if you can get a property and a floor plan that works in a smaller footprint, it doesn't take away from from the enjoyment or the utility, but it takes away from the cost. It absolutely does. I, I just recently did a product and we put all original um, clawfoot tubs in them, you know, with the phone dial hairspray or hair, hair product in it. Yep. We sold that product at a margin that far exceeded our competition, and it was primarily just because of the fixtures that we used in the bathrooms. The cool factor. Absolutely. Yeah. And that product actually turned out to be cheaper for me, and there's, it's not that, remember, remember the old six-foot soaking tub with the built on right. the balcony? It's more expensive for me to go build that. Yeah. And it's, it's not modern. For me to go put a cast iron tub in, it takes me about three hours and my plumber to go do it. Yeah. I don't need a tile person. I don't. I, so cheaper for me, the wow factor is there, and people perceive the value so much more that we ended up selling the product much at a higher level. You know, this is one of those paradigms that it takes people a while to get, but we just came from a, a field trip, had a bunch of great folks uh, with us on a field trip, and one of the recurring themes that came up is that the cost of the property does not have to directly correspond to the rent. So just like we're talking about it in terms of building, from an investor's point of view, if I'm gonna buy a property that costs 100,000 and maybe it makes $10,000 a year, there might be another property that's 50,000 but makes that same $10,000 a year. Obviously, that's a better performing property. So I think what people have to get out of their head is it's not a one-to-one -one correlation. It absolutely is not because it's about perceived value of the person who is ultimately either going to be purchasing the product 
or renting the product. And so that's what you really have to work backwards as opposed to a lot of people look at their performers and they look at them just from the top down. But you've got to really look at who my end user is, what itch am I trying to scratch for them that has the highest value for them, and then work your performa backwards to that. All right. Well, let's transition a little bit and talk about the other market that you are spending a lot of time in, which mm-hmm. is vastly different from uh, Washington, D.C., but still has some incredible drivers, and, and you're bringing some new methodologies to that marketplace. Tell us how you found the market of Belize. Went there and started looking over six years ago. Um, had been predominantly a developer in the United States and wanted to diversify the portfolio and looked and did some projects in Mexico, had a reasonable result there, but decided to also continue to look. And so in doing market analysis, we um, looked at all of the different countries in Central America and without going through the labor of all of it, but we found out one of the things that attracts me is the ability to have a real impact on a market. Is the market open enough and fluid enough to where there's innovation is available inside of that market? And, And so if I looked at like, Panama, I looked at Costa Rica, both of those markets are very mature. What they are is what they are today. And so your ability to come into that market is more than likely is going to be to conform to that market. A couple of the other countries are, I would say, not stable enough to where I would feel comfortable in putting my own money and other people's money, such as El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, was sort of like mm, a little bit too immature at that point. And also not necessarily the market that I like to go after because that's a very low end market. That's a market that's attracting people who are looking to live outside the United States on $10,000 a year. Right. And so you're Which is a market. But it is again, an absolute market. To our previous discussion, trying to meet the housing needs of folks that want to live on, on less money and go and retire in the sunshine, which is a need, is not necessarily because the margin is going to be the right decision for a developer. Correct. And it goes back to my earlier one, which is, you know, I'd rather build one house at 700 than to do seven houses at 100 because the brain damage is, is less on the higher end. Right. And and there's also something to talk about the market on that. I ended up in Belize for a number of reasons, and, and I think the, the primary ones are proximity to the United States. Yeah. It's an hour and three quarters to Miami. It's just over two hours to Texas. And so it's, it's phenomenal as far as location. They speak English, and it is British Commonwealth law. Yeah. So to me, I mean, that is primary. You, you don't get off the plane in Belize and feel like you're a foreigner. You actually feel like you're part of the community in Belize. And yeah. I think that's important as people, particularly as they age and they're looking for a potential place where they're going to spend more than just a week of their life, and they're looking to maybe spend three months, six months, or 12 months a year in a, in a different location. You know, language is huge to people. Yeah. And because people don't, I don't think most people look at they want to relocate their lives and, and not be able to talk with the locals and have an intellectual conversation with people. Right. And so I think that's uh, imperative. Um, the other is that it's, I don't want to call it immature, but it's a, it's a market that's waiting to be defined. Yeah. There's been some good development that's happened down there. There's been some not as good development that's happened down there. And what we saw was a real opportunity to go in there and impact the market. I, my, my MBA is in entrepreneurship. My passion is in, in innovation and, and being kind of a game changer. That's what keeps me mentally stimulated and what I want to go do. And we saw that opportunity down in Belize. Well, what's interesting is and it's over the time you've been there, your target market has shifted, right? What the product is has shifted, the who 
the buyer is has shifted a lot. Uh, I mean, I remember going to Belize my first time six, seven years ago, and the the market was for the person who came on vacation and said, hey, I had to get a condo here because I like the pretty white sand. Today, very different market. Today, you've got a lot of folks who are looking to, as Simon Black would say, to plant a flag offshore, have another foot in another marketplace. You've got folks that are the live-work crowd, right? Today, a lot of people can work from anywhere. Belize, by the end of this year, will have 4G in the, the most tourist market, San Pedro. That's that's amazing. It so you're, you're now looking at, at a, a product design that isn't just all about vacation. Absolutely not. And so it, the people that we're seeing that want to buy down here are sophisticated investors and are most are usually professionals who can live and work anywhere in the world and and they're looking at an opportunity if they they're currently working in the United States they may have clientele that is not in the United States and they're looking to diversify their portfolio of clients just like I look to diversify my portfolio of clients yep. and so they're looking at planting a flag not only for them personally but professionally outside the United States and so being with the contract law what it is being in English being two to one currently currency to the dollar, so there is no currency arbitrage that goes on between Belize and the United States, and it's a business-friendly place. And, and the tax code is only about four pages long, Robert. <laughs> tax code is pretty simple, that, that's for sure. Well, and let's talk about some of the differences. I mean, those are two great contrasting markets, right? Washington, D.C., very mature market, very high-end market, very specific target that you're aiming at. Belize, an immature market, a newer market, an emerging market, but still specific target. Talk about the realities of getting things done in Belize. Washington, D.C., I can imagine, has a, a very structured way to get permits and entitlements and mm -hmm. find property. Belize mm -hmm. is, is the new frontier. How, how is it, what's it like working in two very different markets? Well, I, you're absolutely right. I mean, D.C. is regulation. We're, we're the home of regulation. Right. And so uh, we practice what we preach while we're there. So doing entitlement inside of D.C. is horrendous. I personally don't do any work in the district because it is just, it's, I, I'm too too old to learn that project process, and it is uh, it's just not one that I want to get involved in. Yep. So if you kind of look at it from uh, a higher level of abstraction, you know, D.C. is probably one of the most difficult places to go do entitlement. I do business mostly in Northern Virginia, where it's relatively business-friendly, and you can get entitlements done in about a year, and it's, it's a known process. Yep. It's lengthy. It's cumbersome, it's frustrating, but given DC is five years to entitle something, one year in Fairfax County. Okay. So it's always a compared to what, right? Yep. And so um, if you go down to um, Belize, it's very fluid and very flexible. It takes a while. You're not going to be somebody, I, my experience has been, you're not going to be a developer. You're not going to get off the plane and be able to entitle property in 30 days and just be, you know, great right. at it, right? No. I mean, you're going to have to get to know who's who, just like you have to go do in every other market. It's going to, it took me a year to work my way up what, from what I would call the C-level players to the A-level players. And yeah. I think that happens in every market because sure. when you go into any market, the people who are waiting to do business with you Warren Buffett isn't waiting for you at the at the Oklahoma airport when you go in there to go bid, do business and say hey let me help you and show you around town is right. that correct the folks hanging around at the airport with time to help are probably not the A team <laughs> they're not the A team so it takes you a while to get into the A team yeah. we've worked our way into the A team down there so we have an opportunity to get a lot of things done the the good news is that Belize loves Americans they want to see their country succeed 
they're there to help you and they they look at you as having a symbiotic relationship as opposed to a parasitic relationship well that that's critical i mean i've watched you approach a market in a very different way from some developers for instance there was this big developer huge nationally known internationally known name came into las vegas a few years ago and left town with their tail between their legs because they said well this is let me let us show you how it's done in new york only they weren't in new york when you go into a market, you don't say, well, let me show you with all my experience how to do it. You're exactly the opposite of that. You say, well, let me learn how it's done here. Exactly. And I think that's, I mean, people are people all over the world and they want to be respected. And there's nothing, there's nothing, we as Americans cannot come in with this cavalier attitude that we know everything. There's a reason why in Belize, the, the wooden structures that were built by the locals 80 years ago are still standing and none of them have a master's in structural engineering from Cal. Right. right. <laughs> so, so I think there is an opportunity to learn from the local people and understand how did they survive? How do you do it down here? They know their environment. They know their resources better than I ever will. And I always look at it as a win-win. I'm here to learn from you. I'm sure there's things that I've learned in my experience that I can share with you. And I'm sure that, that it, it's a give-and-take relationship between, between individuals. So when we go into a market, we look at and find the best of the best that's within the local market. And then we elevate that and say, we not only want to embrace it, we want to elevate the things that you do great and bring them to the forefront. And then if there's something that we've done in our experience that we can add on to that, which in many cases turns into maybe how we finance it, how we build it just in time and some management techniques that we use, then I think there's a really great opportunity. But to me, you know, we use 80% of the vernacular and the strengths of the local market, and then we put about 20% of what we are. So we, we kind of come into the market with a level of humility as opposed to arrogance. Well, that's huge. You know, there's several projects in Belize where 90% of the materials were imported. The project you're involved with 90% of the materials are sourced locally. That's very different. Absolutely. And, and so, Robert, how do you think, do you, how do you think a, a country of 300,000 people is going to respond to a, a person coming in from outside the country who has the attitude of looking and trying to source everything local from labor to materials to business processes versus somebody else who's saying, I'm just going to bring everything into the port. All you guys get out of my way. And the, and the, the jobs that I have available for you is to basically move my stuff that I'm bringing in that I think is better than yours from all over the world, but you guys have the opportunity to transport it to my site for me. Right. I, what do you think is the difference? <laughs> it's a huge difference, right? Because one of the things is just, I had also a chance to meet your construction manager who mm -hmm. had many conversations with who you know, is a world-class guy, built 50-story office towers, but it's Carlton Hotels, I mean, a really, really seasoned guy. I don't know there's ever been a person with that kind of resume develop in Belize. And so to have him come in and be able to share with the locals good best practices and ideology. I mean, already they're learning the local tradespeople are becoming better because you're importing a little bit of experience, not coming in with your own crew. No, and what's really interesting is that we we looked at how people build traditionally in this particular market, and what they do is they build out of cement and concrete structures, and it takes them almost 15 months in order from the time that they turn over a piece of dirt to deliver a standard 2,400 square foot 
single family residence. Yep. And we looked at that and we're like, that's a lot of time to go build something. And there's a lot of challenges because the project that I'm working on is on an island. And so it comes with its own issues. Sure. Like everything does, right? But we looked at it and we said, so how do you make something more efficient? How do you reduce the cost? How do you use local materials, et cetera, et cetera? And what we're actually doing, Robert, is we're doing what I would call just-in-time delivery of single-family residences. And you're going to ask me, well, how do I go do that? I use all local materials. I use all hardwoods. The things that are great, the number one export of the country of Belize is wood. And so why wouldn't I use what they have there? They have the most beautiful hardwoods of anywhere in the world. That's what they're known for. One of the most popular tourist uh, items a souvenir people take home are the cutting boards with 11 different Belizean hardwoods, right? And that's one of the things that that shows off what what Belize is about. Right. And so so I always keep going back. I go, people come to Belize not to live in a concrete house that could be like on the Jersey Shore. Right. They don't come to Belize to experience Vegas or they don't come to Belize to experience Jersey. They come to Belize to experience Belize. That's why you travel to another country. And so why wouldn't you use the indigenous materials so that people can have that experience? And so what we've done is we actually have enabled and empowered local businesses that we've created partnerships with where they're going to be building for us. I don't want to call it prefab, Robert, because that has kind of a interesting, I'm doing it in the quotes, right? Because right. a lot of people have this idea of prefab. Right, mobile but, home. Exactly. It's not a mobile home, but what we're doing is we're we're enabling companies that are already great woodworking and construction companies, putting a new level of design on top of that product, coupled with our own methodology of building it and panelizing it and shipping it to us. And so what's going to turn out is that we'll be delivering a product at about a third of the price of, of masonry construction and at about a fifth of the time frame of customary. And so what's that going to do to the market? Now, it's going to change the market. And it also, what I like to do as a developer is I like to wring out as much of the risk as possible. Sure. Risk to me always sits in timing because the longer a project goes out, the more events that can take place locally and globally that have impact, correct? Yeah. Inflation changes, finance changes, Politics world content, right? Yeah. All yeah. things that are outside of Currency, your control, yeah. all things that happen. And I can't have any impact on all of those. So I like to bring in things, tighten up my schedule so that I know if I can bring something and turn it around in three months, the number of things that can happen outside of my control is much different than something that's in three years. All right, fascinating stuff. Our guest is Beth Clifford. She's developing in Washington, D.C., in Belize, and in a few other places. We'll have more with Beth when we come back. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. If you love real estate and have always wanted to own your own business, listen up. The Real Estate Guys and their panel of experts want to teach you how to go full-time fast in the real estate syndication business. These next few years may go down in history as one of the best times ever to acquire investment real estate. There are deals everywhere if you know where to look and how to assemble the resources. The Secrets of Successful Syndication Seminar will show you how to make big money doing big deals from a team of experts that have syndicated projects totaling more than $1 billion. Don't wait for someone to give you a raise 
raise or create a job for you. Attend the secrets of successful syndication and learn how to build a team, raise capital, find deals, and make full-time money in six months or less. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. All the big players use syndication as a way to diversify risk, optimize profits, and earn big money. You can too. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Are you ready to profit in paradise? Hi, it's Robert Helms. And if you think real estate investing means tenants, toilets, and termites, think again. Located just a short plane ride from the U.S., a virtually untouched paradise awaits. The beautiful country of Belize. When you go to Belize with the Real Estate Guys, you'll spend four fabulous days discovering one of the most intriguing real estate markets I've ever seen. With its jungle rainforests, pristine beaches, and 81-degree turquoise water, Belize is one of the most beautiful places on Earth. Plus, it's considered one of the top seven tax havens in the world. And why U.S. real estate continues to drop, Belize property is on the rise, and many experts think the best is yet to come. But don't just take my word for it. Come experience Belize firsthand at our upcoming investor field trip. When you join us, you'll discover the many reasons we love Belize, like tremendously undervalued beachfront land, super low taxes, ease of doing business, and so much more. Get the details at realestateguysradio.com. Just click on events. See paradise for yourself. Click events at realestateguysradio.com, and I'll see you in beautiful Belize. Hi, I'm Steve Forbes. You're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Listen up. And welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program, the number one downloaded real estate podcast. We've got Beth Clifford with us today, and she's taking time out of her busy developing schedule, which is great, which also tells me that there is opportunity for developers today, which which is great, but you might have to think outside of the box. Absolutely. And so I think you've got to be creative. And the other side of it, the competition has, a lot of competition has gone away. Yeah. Just like in, there were a lot of mortgage brokers in 2007. Yeah. There were a lot more real estate brokers, correct? Yeah. You know, there were a lot more real estate investors. What's happened, you know, through this has been sort of a purge or the survival of the fittest has happened. And so people with staying power and with intellectual and financial capacity to make a difference are they think of the people who are here. And so in some ways, that's a good news for us. Yep. So um, that's well, kind of what the landscape that, looks like. That, that people who will change with the times, right? Yeah. Because just watching what, you, what you've done, you've adapted markets, you've changed markets, mm-hmm. and you've changed product type based on what's happening. It's not the old, well, this is how we've done it for years, let's keep doing it. That way, you've got to constantly reinvent yourself. And I think in a shifting marketplace, you've got to pay attention to those things. Absolutely. I mean, if you are not willing to change and you keep, if you're going to go with the, you know, track developer 1950s model, it's going to be hard for you to go find an opportunity for you to go do business. So you absolutely have to keep your finger on the pulse of what the market is requiring and where the opportunities are. All right. We sure appreciate you sharing your time and insight with us. Now, you're going to be with us uh, for the 2013th uh, summit. I would not uh, miss it. 11th annual summit how many uh, summits this will be my 10th wow so i go into the double digits this time awesome very excited about it peppers on your badge tell us why you like to uh, come on the summit i like it because of the people that i meet there the best part i mean i i obviously teach a few courses while i'm while i'm there but for me i learn in insurmountable and the relations that i come away from is the best part of the course we have dinner i have a usually have i meet 10 to 12 new people every night at dinner and at lunch and to be around like-minded people who are all sharing their visions they're coming from markets all over the world robert so i get to hear about what's going on in estonia and what they're doing and what's getting built here so for me i'm all ears you know i i talk a little bit but i look at my time on the summit as an opportunity for me to listen and learn 
Now, you've got a Wall Street background. We didn't really mm-hmm. talk about that this time. We've got Peter Schiff and Mark Skousen, mm-hmm. uh, two economists. That's going to make for interesting dinner conversation, don't you think? I will, because, you know, we are no longer, I mean, we were talking about change and adaptability. And if you do not read the Wall Street Journal on a daily basis, understand where markets are going, understand what it means to have a $12 trillion debt in the United States. And if you don't know tax policy, if you don't know this You cannot properly, I believe, put yourself into markets and be responsible about how you invest your own money and potentially other people's money. Yeah, it's not just about real estate. It's about the bigger economic picture. We're excited to have those guys. We also have Ken McElroy coming back, one of the big-time real estate uh, syndicators and, and promoters, and he's kind of fun to hang out he, with, too. Absolutely, and he is the big gun, as we like <laughs> to call it. And, I mean, uh, Ken is fabulous, and what I love about Ken is uh, a gentleman who's been incredibly, incredibly uh, successful, yet what he does is he gives back. He always gives back. And so you have always had a great faculty, Robert, in that there are people who – not only have been successful, but what they, they're there not to, to hold back on what made them successful. They know that when they share it with other people, it comes back to them. And so that's a great, it's a great philosophy of people that you have on the cruise. All right. We can't wait. And it's going to be a lot of fun. If you want all the details, go to our website at realestateguysradio.com. Just click on Summit. Beth, thanks as always for your time today. My pleasure. Thank you, Robert. All right. Good stuff. As we look across the landscape, there's lots going on to change the face of real estate. And investors have a hand in that for sure. And maybe you're thinking, there's an opportunity to develop or, or even get involved with syndication coming up in February. It is our Secrets of Successful Syndication event. We're going to spend a day learning how to put together the types of investments that are on a bigger scale, how you would go and maybe raise capital to fund a project with a developer like Beth and participate in that as well. And uh, we're very excited to have Mr. Sam Freshman uh, joining us for this uh, Secrets of Successful Syndication. He literally wrote the book on uh, real estate syndication, the principles of real estate syndication, which is the textbook for many college courses on a real estate syndication. He's uh, been uh, around for many, many years, been a real estate investor and promoter and syndicator and lender, and you're going to learn a ton. So check it out the website at realestateguysradio.com. Until next week, go out and make some equity happen. This episode of the Real Estate Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Paradigm Life, powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers, low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton. Find these and other great companies under the Resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. To learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys Radio Show.